Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Now, here's your host, Nate Herbst. Welcome to The God Solution Show, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're tuned in again today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the last few weeks of interviews. We've been able to talk to Dr. John Lennox, Dr. Fuzrana. There's been a lot of intense apologetics, and today we're going to be detouring from that a little bit. Today we're going to be talking with Phil Sabella of International Christian Concern about the persecuted church. Now, this is a little bit off-topic. It's not apologetical, but in a sense... It is very related to what we're doing. We're talking about defending the Christian faith in the context of a society that is increasingly hostile right here in the United States. And a lot of times it's easy to start wondering what people are going to think about me or how they're going to react if I share my faith. Well, the worst that we could face in this country pales in comparison to what our brothers and sisters are facing around the world. So I thought it would be important today to talk to someone who's on the front lines of that part of the world, to ask him what's going on and hopefully remind us of how little we have on the line here. And I hope that we'll be encouraged to take a bolder stand for Christ right here in our country. And at the same time, I hope that we'll be encouraged to do something for those that are being persecuted all over this world for the name of Christ, because we really do have the capacity here to be an asset to them, both prayerfully, financially, and in many other ways. So today we're going to be talking to Phil Sabella of International Christian Concern. Phil, welcome to the God Solution Show. Hey, Nate. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm so glad to have you on the show. So, Phil, first of all, before we get into some of the deeper questions, I just want to know, how did ICC get started? Yeah, that's a great question. So ICC, uh, we started back in 1995 with a man by the name of Steve Snyder. Steve Snyder worked for... Uh, Christian Solidarity International, uh, the USA Division, which was a, an organization that helped uh, with persecuted church, and he felt in his heart that God was calling him to something different. So he left Christian Solidarity, and he started uh, International Christian Concern in 1995. Uh, his goal was threefold. He wanted to raise awareness, uh, give assistance, and help uh, in advocacy efforts, uh, help the, the needs of the persecuted church. So he did that, and uh, not soon after, um, he unfortunately passed away. And uh, the current president, Jeff King, um, randomly, miraculously, had a dream one night. He, he was actually asleep in bed, and he was uh, asking God, you know, what, what should I do with my life? I've reached this point where, you know, I'm doing an endless job, meaningless job, and I want to make a difference. And, and he tells a story. He had a dream that he uh, was talking to a man on the phone, and the man asked him to come to an office somewhere in D.C., and so Jeff got in the car and uh, arrived at the office building and uh, looked for the man, but the, the, the secretary said that the man had died and that uh, they were wondering if he would be the, the next president of this company. And Jeff said he woke up, and it was the strangest dream he ever had, and he looked at his phone, and he had a missed call from somebody. And he called it back, and basically the exact same thing that happened in the dream <laughs> happened in real life. Uh, wow. Somebody had died, Jeff Snyder died, and his name was passed around. And so uh, he accepted the position, obviously, because that was obviously a God moment. That doesn't happen every day. And um, he 
started off in the new leg of uh, ICC. We've now been going for 20 years strong, and we've seen uh, some significant increase. We've seen a lot of uh, victory, a lot of sad times, a lot of good times. But, uh, but yeah, it was a crazy story about how it started, and, uh, and God is really moving in this organization, so we're thankful for that. Praise God. I recently saw a statistic that there is a Christian martyr about every five minutes. Mm-hmm. What is the state of the persecuted church around the world today? Yeah, the, the church is being very heavily persecuted. It's not, it's not a surprise to anybody. I mean, you turn on the news, and unfortunately the media, they call it sectarian violence. They, they kind of refuse to call it uh, for what it is, Christian persecution, but it happens at an alarming rate pretty much all around the world. It happens in the States. We hear it as well, not, not to the point of death, but more so political uh, oppression and and around the world, it happens uh, on an alarming rate with death. I mean, we, we all know of ISIS uh, in Syria and Iraq, and they're, they're literally slaughtering Christians by the thousands. Uh, it's happening in, in Nigeria and Africa with al-Shabaab. Uh, they're, they're slaughtering Christians as well in, in other countries. It's, it's an unfortunate time, but it's, it's not a surprise to us because in the Bible it says, you know, when you are a Christian, you will be persecuted. And, uh, and the Bible talks about a great persecution. And so while it is, it's sad, it's, it's, it's not a good situation, it's not surprising. And we've also seen that where persecution is the greatest, the church is growing the greatest as well. Um, we've talked with people and persecuted Christians that tell us, you know, they, they've killed my family, they've killed my mom, my dad, my wife, my kids. I have nothing left to live for, so I might as well just tell everybody I know about Christ. Wow. And we've seen, uh, we've seen the church grow. So, yes, there is extreme persecution. It's, it's a terrible thing, and, and we're fighting as hard as we can to end it. But within that persecution, the church is growing like never before. And, and especially within the Muslims, within uh, the Islamic fields, um, Jesus is appearing to people in dreams. And it's, it's kind of a, a crazy thing to think about as us because we've never we don't really experienced that here. But we've seen that our per- the persecutors are beginning to see Jesus in dreams. And Jesus shows up to them and says, you know, the people that you've been killing, those are my people, that's me. And uh, we've heard time after time after time after time of how persecutors have come to Christ through the acts of persecution, and, and they receive these dreams from Jesus, and they repent, and then they begin to spread the gospel. It, it's, a, it's a crazy thing that's going on. So, uh, so yeah, that, that is accurate. That's about accurate one every five minutes. But on the same side, the church is growing just as rapidly. So it's a, it's a crazy time. Wow. Yeah. So 2015 seemed particularly crazy, right? I mean, we heard yeah. these stories that were just outrageous. We saw ISIS and other groups committing atrocities that in mm-hmm. modern times are unparalleled. I think a lot of us were shocked to the point where we almost couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. What happened in 2015? Yeah, 2015 was a, a rough year for Christians around the world. Uh, we all know of ISIS. They stormed onto the scene. They, they are nothing short of a terrorist group with the aim of completely destroying the church from all, uh, from all records of the area, from all uh, Islamic areas. They actually, and it's strange, most Christians don't know this, and I, I honestly didn't know it until recently, um, they believe in a, in a different kind of theology. They believe that there will be a massive war between the West, which would be Christianity, and, and, uh, and Muslims, which would be them. 
and this war would take place in and around Armageddon. It's kind of funny because we have the same idea, just just reversed. And so they believe that if they can antagonize, antagonize the, the West enough, provoke them enough, that they can draw this world war into that area and, and in essence, bring on the end of the world, and in their eyes, they would win. And so they do whatever they can to provoke the West, and that's mostly with, with killing Christians and killing uh, the Yazidis and, and killing people who are opposed to their beliefs. And so they basically go into towns, and they go door to door, and they knock on their people's doors, and, and the people will open it, and they'll say, you know, can you quote a verse from the Quran? And if they can't quote it, then they just shoot them in the head because they're obviously not a Muslim. Or they're going to regions where it's predominantly Christians, and they'll go door to door again looking for Christians, and and they'll kill them just the fact that they're Christians. Usually, uh, the Muslim, the uh, ISIS will give them a chance to convert. They'll say either you know you convert to Islam, uh, or you know or we'll kill you. And most of the time, the Christians do not convert. Uh, we've seen instances where. Just, I mean, absolute barbaric things. When you hear it, you think, how in the world could a human being do something so bad to another human being? We've heard of things where uh, ISIS would go into somebody's house and they'd take the, the father and they'd tell him to convert. And the father would say no, so they'd shoot the wife right in front of him. And they'd say, convert or your children are next. And he'll say no, and then they'll start shooting their kids one by one right in front of him. And then at the end, they'll ask him to convert and he'll say no, and then they'll shoot him. And it's just... This isn't a one-time deal. It goes on and on, over and over and over again. And uh, it's, just, it's just been a really rough year in that area uh, for Christians. And also in Nigeria, it's been a really rough uh, year the past year uh, for Christians there with uh, Boko Haram. Um, they've been really just devastating the church there. They've, uh, they've been supplying the local uh, herd cattlemen in uh, Nigeria. They're called the Fulani. And... Um, Basically, what they do is they supply them with guns, and they tell them, go into this village right here and kill all the Christians. And so that's what they do. In the middle of the night, they'll go into the, the village, and they'll kill them all, um, simply because they're, they're Christians, because they believe. So 2015, it was a, a rough year, uh, to say the least. Um, but as I mentioned again, you know, as, as bad as it was, the church grew like, you know, like never before. We actually... Uh, recently had a, a meeting with a, a pastor in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, uh, to be a Christian is a death sentence. I mean, if you become a Christian and anybody finds out, you're dead. There's, there's no ends, if fours, or buts about it. You're just dead. And so we met with some, uh, some pastors there, and we were talking with some underground pastors, and they said, you know, um, the biggest thing that you can pray for us about is the fact that we're all alone. We don't have any other church members here. We, we don't have anybody who's like us. And so we did a little bit of an investigation in there, and we, we found out that within 100 yards of their church, now the churches are smaller, about uh, you know five or six people, within 100 yards of their churches, there were about a dozen other micro-churches around them, but they never knew it because they could never talk about it. And so when we were able to tell them that, even in spite of the persecution, in spite of the death threats, they had this immense joy that, you know, I'm not alone. There's, there's brothers and sisters within 100 yards of me that I don't even know about. And my brothers and sisters in the States are praying for me by name, and it just it blows their mind. So on one hand, yeah, persecution was really bad in, in, in the 15, uh, 2015. But on the other hand, it, the church grew like, like never before. And, uh, and we believe that it's because Christ is coming soon. 
and uh, Christ is coming, and, and when that happens, uh, it's going to be a glorious moment for Christians, for unsaved people, for the persecutors. It's going to be a terrifying experience. But we also believe that God is preparing his church uh, for when he does come. So 2015 was a, a not-so-good year, and uh, so far 2016 doesn't look like it's going to be much better. But we're praying that God not only sustains but grows his church throughout the world. Amen. Amen. So you just returned from Egypt where you were able to speak with some of the families of those 21 brave martyrs that were killed by ISIS on the beach. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that was, that was a life-changing experience for me personally. I, I joined uh, International Christian Concern last year because of the 21 martyrs. I was uh, on staff at a church, and um, I reached this point in my ministry where I felt like I needed to do something else, but I didn't know what. And, and I remember back in February, I was sitting on the couch, and uh, I was watching the news, and I saw this happen. I saw these 21 martyrs march out on the, the beach, and they were beheaded, and I just remember sitting there crying, and my wife walked in the room. She's like, are you okay? And I said, this just happened, and, and I have to do something about it. I just can't sit here and watch this happen. And so I, you know, I found ICC, and I, and I applied, and now I'm working here. And so given the opportunity, getting the opportunity to meet these families was, was literally life-changing because I worked at ICC because of their sons and because of their husbands. And so we, we drove, we flew to, to Egypt, and we drove to their village. Their village is way, way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're talking no running water, no electricity, and uh, it's just a different world there. And we went into the village, and everybody came out to meet us, and uh, we met in a house, one of the house of the, uh, the martyr, one of the martyrs. And we just got to sit down, and we got to talk to the parents and, uh, and some of the widows, and it was a, it was honestly, it was a life-changing experience. The, the pain that they felt was so evident in their faces. They, they told us, we asked them questions, you know, how did you find out? And they told us, you know, we, we got word that they were kidnapped. So basically, uh, for those of you who don't know what happened, um, these, these men in, in Egypt, they were Coptic Christians, and they couldn't make a living in Egypt. And so they decided to risk it all and go to Libya to find employment because there's more money in Libya. And so they traveled to Libya, and they were, they were working there. They were sending the funds back home to their family in Egypt. And while they were there, ISIS uh, blocked off the borders, and uh, they began to hunt Christians. And uh, while they were there, somebody tipped off ISIS to their, their whereabouts. And so in the middle of the night, ISIS went into their housing compound and knocked on the doors. They said, are you a Christian? Uh, if somebody said no, they would be let go, and if they said yes, they would be captured. And so they went to the 21 doors, found them, and they, they kidnapped them. The families found out through word of mouth. One of them or a couple of them escaped and came back and said, you know, your, your sons, your husbands have been kidnapped. And so the, the families directly, they went to Cairo, to the capital city, and they tried to petition their own government to do something. But there was really nothing that could be done. They, they had no idea where they were. Um, it was just, it was a messy situation. And uh, we were talking to some of the families, and they said that, you know, we were just praying daily, daily. We were praying all the time that God would release them. And uh, then came the day where they were watching the news, and they saw that their sons were marched on the beach and beheaded. And that's how they found out, that their sons were killed, that their husbands were killed. They found out on the news. And um, I, if you've ever seen it, I, you know, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing to watch, the actual, the actual, video itself, um, 
but what stands out to me the most is as as their captors are standing behind them ready to cut their heads off, you can watch their lips, and their lips are reciting Jesus. You can see it over and over and over and over again. And some of them are singing hymns, which is just, you know, and I, I try to think of myself, if I was in that situation, what would I be doing? You know, and it's hard for me to, to even imagine that, but just their bravery and the fact that they faced their persecutors, they didn't give up the faith, they stood strong in their beliefs, and ultimately it cost them their lives. But we don't know what kind of an impact has had on their captors' lives either. And, you know, we were talking with their pastor as well and uh, the, the Coptic priest in the, in the area, and he told us that when they found out, uh, he went to work uh, ministering to them. And, and, you know, we asked the pastor, we said, you know, how in the world, where do you even begin? You know, as a pastor, I was a former pastor, where do you even begin to uh, start the, the care, the, the emotional help, and he said, you know, honestly, we just stood around and we prayed for days. That's all we could do. That's the only thing we could do is just pray, pray, pray. And, uh, you know, it's been a year now. And even even now, you can, when we met with the families, you can see the pain and the suffering in their, their faces. But they're so thankful and so glad that their, their loved ones, their sons, their, their husbands, their dads didn't give up the faith. Every single house that we went into that had one of the, uh, the martyrs, uh, one of the families, They'd have their picture, a giant poster of, uh, of their, their son, their husband, their dad, whatever it is, standing there with Jesus uh, hugging him and, uh, and a crown, the martyr's crown on his head. And it was the centerpiece of the entire room. And they were so proud of the fact that their husbands, their brothers, their, their dad stayed the, stayed the course, ran the race, uh, didn't, didn't recant their beliefs and, and stayed strong for Christ. And so when we met them, man, it was just, it was a wonderful, uh, it was a sad, it was a, just a life-changing experience to be able to not only talk to them, but we actually physically got to pray with them. I've prayed for them so many times, I know that so many churches have prayed for them, but to be able to pray with them was just, it was mind-blowing. It, there's no other way to say it. It was just, I, I felt like, honestly, I was standing in the presence of true heroes of the faith. So, so yeah, it was it was a great experience overall. Wow. So what about other countries? We know about what ISIS is doing in Syria, Iraq, Libya, places like that. What about other countries? Persecution isn't confined to ISIS. Yeah, that's right. So there's persecution basically in every area of the world. Uh, persecution in, like you mentioned, Syria, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan. Right now Pakistan is one of the most uh, dangerous places for a Christian to live. Um, this is just strong persecution in that country uh, from Islamic extremism. Another place uh, is Nigeria, as I mentioned, um, Kenya as well with, uh, with al-Shabaab, uh, North Korea. Everybody knows about that one. North Korea is a big persecutor of the church as well as China. But there's one place that most people don't necessarily know about, and that's the southern regions of Mexico. There's a, a strong sense of persecution there amongst the church. The, the people down there... In, in villages like Chiapas, uh, they they follow a, a Catholic kind of uh, religion, but they mix it with Mayan uh, Mayan religion, and so they, they celebrate this this celebration called uh, the Day of the Dead. And, and I don't know if you you've ever seen pictures of it, but they they dress a, a skeleton up in a bride costume type thing, and basically what it is is it's it's a pagan worship of the devil. Uh, that's what it is. And so they, they hold these just these drunken parties where 
they do all of these just shameful, sinful acts, and they they come to the Christians and they ask them to pay a tax in order to support this 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 disgusting event. And the Christians, of course, they say no. You know, we don't believe in this. We we believe in Jesus. This is nothing more than a satanic ritual, and uh, and they refuse. And so as a result, the townspeople will gather together in, in these these towns in Mexico, and they will beat the Christians on extreme cases. They'll they'll behead them. They'll They'll kill them. They'll kick them out. Uh, right now, there's actually a town in uh, in a village in in southern Mexico that uh, I believe it was eight months ago, nine months ago, out of retaliation uh, for them not supporting this event, they cut off all the water and electricity to their houses. So these Christians have no electricity, no water, uh, because they refuse to participate in these pagan religions. And so, persecution is widespread. It's it's everywhere. It happens here. It happens, uh, you know, Mexico and and in Africa. But right now, especially, it's especially dangerous for Christians living in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and and Pakistan as well. Um, so those are some of the hot spots right now. We even saw last year this shooting. I think it was in Washington State, right, where mm-hmm. students were lined up and asked if they were Christians, and they were killed yeah. if they were. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yep, that's exactly correct. Yeah. So. Even our country is, is beginning to see glimpses of this. I don't know yeah. what the future holds. All I know is Jesus, like you said, did promise that his followers would be persecuted. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that throughout the world. Of course, we should not shrink back. We should not, we should not back down from our faith. We need to mm-hmm. take a bolder stand for Christ here and abroad. Yeah. So that brings me to a very important question. A lot of us will never face the kind of persecution that you're talking about. Some of us may. If we do, by God's grace, we'll take the same stand that those 21 martyrs did. But no matter where we're at in life, no matter what we may or may not face in the future, we can do something right now, right? What could Christians listening today do? How could they make an impact in this world? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. That's that's the most uh, frequent question that I get. What can we possibly do? People see persecution as just a huge ocean, and they don't even know how they can make a splash in it. And so we, we tell our people uh, there's three things that you can do. The first thing you can do is get informed. That's, that's probably the most important thing that you can do. Get informed. Get knowledge. Get as much knowledge as you possibly can. Uh, learn everything you can about persecution. Visit sites like, like our site, persecution.org, or you know, get, the, get our newsletters, or, or get in touch with you know, Voice of the Martyrs or Christian Solidarity, and, and just learn as much as you possibly can. And then when you learn that information, the, the second thing that you can do is you can spread awareness. You can talk about it. You can tell your friends, your coworkers. You can share about it in, in your church, in Sunday schools, or, or you can even be bold enough to, to do something about it, and that would be to uh, call up your, your congressman or your senator or your, you know, your state-level people and, and ask them to do something on behalf of the, the persecuted church. And, and another thing that you can do is you can, you can uh, volunteer. Most of our organizations like ours, like uh, Voice of the Martyrs or us or Christian Solidarity, they have opportunities for you to volunteer. And volunteering, it, it may be scary for some people when we say the word volunteer because a lot of people don't have time, but volunteering could simply be, you know, hey, I, I signed a petition today on behalf of the persecuted church or, hey, you know, I stuffed uh, 12 envelopes, uh, support envelopes to churches today. Or it could be as huge as, you know, I signed up to go to Pakistan to help, uh, help a church that was destroyed. I, I signed up to, to help and, and go rebuild. So that's another thing. And, and 
And a lot of times people say, you know, I, I don't have the time to volunteer, but I still want to do something. And we tell them, you know, you could, you could give. You can give money. Um, ICC, is, International Christian Concern, is, is solely run on donations. And so uh, basically what people do is they, they fund us to do projects. We just, uh, for instance, we just bought um, those 21 families, we just bought them goats to sustain them. Now, goats to you and me uh, means pretty much nothing, but to them it's life. And uh, we couldn't do it without our donors. So you can, uh, you can do those three things. You can uh, learn as much as you physically can. You can volunteer. And, uh, and you can financially support organizations like uh, ICC. And, and again, if you want more information on any of those, you can go to uh, www.persecution.org, and uh, that's our website, and you can get uh, all the information on how to make a difference, how to help, how to raise your voices, how to volunteer, and how to uh, donate to uh, our organization. Now, one thing I love about you guys is I get this email almost daily telling me how I can be praying for the persecuted church. How can people get on your email list, and what's the effect of them being able to pray daily for these things? Yeah, that's great. So you can go again to uh, www.persecution.org, and uh, there is a link that says, How Can You Help? And there is a, another link that says, Stay Informed, and you can sign up for our newsletter, for our prayer request there. And uh, just a very, very quick story. We were recently in Kenya, met with a pastor, and uh, we told them that, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for you, just praying. And she began to sob, and she said, you know, my, my village is not even on the map, but I'm so encouraged that my brothers and sisters in America are praying for me by name. And so when you pray for the persecuted church, they not only feel it, but they get, re, they get re-energized, rejuvenated to do the work that God has called them to do. So, yes, please, if anything, if you do anything, please just pray for the persecuted church. All right. Well, I want to encourage the audience to give. I'm going to be making a gift to ICC after this show, and I want to encourage you to do the same thing. We need to take a stand together and partner with the persecuted church throughout the world, and we can do that financially. You know, God has given us in America so much money, and someday we'll give an account for what we did with this money he's given us. So what better way to honor him with what he's already given us than to use it to help our brothers and sisters around the world. So go to persecution.org, again, persecution.org, and make a donation, maybe sign up for a monthly pledge, I don't know. Find out how you can financially partner with the persecuted church. Ask God how he would have you do it. And a lot of times, being a missionary myself on support, people say something like, "Uh, I can't afford it. Well, I can assure you that as we're generous with God, he meets all of our needs. I see him do it in my life on a weekly basis. You have anything else to encourage people with before we let you go, Phil? No, I think I'm good. Thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity. It's been an honor. Awesome. Well, it's been an honor here too. Definitely go to persecution.org. Find out more about the persecuted church. Pray, give, get informed, make a difference in the lives of our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted for Christ around the world. I hope you were encouraged by this interview about the persecuted church. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I can't think of a better time to do it than right now. The Bible says that God loves you dearly, but that you and I both are separated from God because of our sin and our own flesh. Nothing we could ever do could make us right with God. Thankfully, the Bible says that God himself became a man and died on the cross for our sins so that whoever believes in him 
could be forgiven and could be adopted into his family. If you've never taken that step to put your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to do that right now. Confessing that with your mouth, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me a new life. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior and my Lord. The Bible says that once you put your faith in him, you'll be adopted into his family forever. And you can look forward to a life of meaning and purpose on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. Well, I encourage you to go to GodSolutionShow.com, get this interview and all of our past interviews. And while you're there, also leave us some comments. Maybe check out the list of local churches that you could visit or even partner with us. Of course, after this show, my first encouragement is to donate to ICC and to make a difference in the persecuted churches' lives. Also, if you'd like to help keep this show on the air and expand this ministry, you could hit the Donate tab there and help this show grow. Well, anyway, I'm so thankful that you're listening each week, and stay tuned. Coming up, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Gary Habermas, the world's expert on the resurrection. He'll be on the next few weeks, and it's going to be a great interview. He's been on in the past. You can go to GodSolutionShow.com to check out some of those past interviews. He's always a great, great, great person to have on the show, and I know you're going to like it, so don't miss the next few weeks. Get the word out. Talk to your friends. Let them know that Dr. Habermas is going to be coming on. And definitely keep listening to The God Solution Show. I'm so glad that you're listening each week. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution with Nate Herbst. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.